Do you have a prodigal child? I know I did. And I can assure you that you should never give up hope and never stop praying. Today I have a special guest who has written several informative books for parents and children. And he's going to talk about first aid for weary parents and how we can teach our littles to understand that God made them perfect. He made them either a little boy or a little girl. And he did that for a reason. We all know that parenting is hard work and life can get busy. We've done the research to help you. So let's dig deep with Leanne Mancini and work together to help you raise strong Christian kids. Marty Machowski is a family life pastor at Covenant Fellowship Church and leads Promise Kingdom, the gospel-centered children's ministry of Covenant Fellowship in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. He is the author of several family devotionals, Sunday school curriculums, including the gospel story curriculum, children's books, and parenting titles. And I am so happy to have him on the show. Welcome, Marty. Thank you, Leanne. It's great to be with you today. You have written some excellent materials for parents and for children. And I want to talk about your parenting book, Parenting First Aid. You know, it really does help parents who sometimes feel hopeless as they try to be the very best spiritual leader they can for their children. But how can they not give up hope when they find that they have maybe a prodigal child or a difficult child? What gives them hope? I had a prodigal child. You know, I got the proverbial phone call, come pick up your son at the police station, the the call nobody wants to get. But what I realized is that, well, we need the Lord in the equation. People who are discouraged, and I was discouraged myself, often are there because they forget that they're not alone in this battle. God is the shepherd who leaves the flock to go after the one. And I would just encourage parents to recognize that God is there. And you need to not give up prayer. You need to not give up hope. If you have a 35-year-old prodigal, don't give up because God is there. He has a plan. And prodigals are returning all the time. In fact, if you think about it, if you asked a church, any congregation, uh, raise your hand if you were a prodigal that God brought back. You would see a sea of hands. We all know that's true. But in the midst of the struggle, parents often lose hope. They they lose sight of Christ and God's sovereign hand, and they despair. And what I'm here to say to parents is, God is there. Don't despair. And that's why the title of your book, Parenting First Aid, Hope for the Discouraged, is so perfect because this book, does give parents hope. I found hope in it. And I also had a prodigal child for a while there. So you specifically state, once we've shared the truth of God's word in our children, we can rest knowing that the sprouting of that seed is not a responsibility. And on a surface level, we know what that means. But can you explain what this means? Because parenting doesn't ever really end. And as a parent, we can feel guilty thinking we haven't taught our children well, biblically speaking. Yeah, you know, uh, the enemy is always whispering in our ear that you didn't do enough. What what are you thinking? You failed your children. You're not a good mom. You're not a good dad. God does use us in this process of rescuing our children from their sin. He's given us the gospel, the story to tell. 
And he's asked us to tell the story. That's our job. We're to tell the story. That's the planting of the seed. I like to think of watering the seed as with our prayers. We're to pray for our kids. But then that's where our job description ends, to share the gospel, to pray, and obviously live your life as an example before your kids to make that a gospel message an authentic one. But, you know, Paul describing this process says that he who plants and he who waters is nothing but God who gives the increase. It's it's God who causes the seeds to sprout. Imagine a farmer planting his seed, but being unwilling to just wait for it to sprout. And so he's continually asking people, look, I've planted my seed. I planted my corn. It's not sprouting. When did you plant it? Yesterday. Well, yeah, but it's it's not sprouting. What can I do to make it sprout? And people will tell them, tell him nothing. That's God's job. You planted it, you watered. Now you have to wait on God. And I also believe when you worry and you try to take things into your own hand and you fret and you have anxiety, you're telling God that you don't trust him to be in control because you know he's in control. And sometimes that can, God will hold back and say, okay, well, if you think you can do a better job by worrying and not trusting me, I'll, I'll hold back my hand and wait. And it's when we, when we release it to him without being worrisome or anxiety and trusting him, then he starts to work. At least that's what happened in my life. Well, I think that's true. It happened in my life as well. We think that parenting is about raising a child in the way that he should go. And God says, yes, that's what parenting is about, but it's also about raising a parent in the way that he or she should go. And the message God gave me is, hey, Jack, I don't want your parenting standing up. I want your parenting kneeling down. The psalmist says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. So who's building the house? Is it the Lord or me? Yes, <laughs> it's both. But, but God's unwilling to let us live without him. And if we're trying to parent in worry and fear and you know, concern for what our job is, that's often a sign that God is trying to get our attention. Yes, absolutely. I have goosebumps listening to that because it's just so true. Parents, if you're out there and you're fearful and you're finding yourself full of anxiety and angst and you're just not having a good night's sleep because you don't know if your son or your daughter is going to return to the Lord or if there's major problems in their lives, trust the Lord because he is the only one you have. He's the only one that can help you. You have written some stunning children's books. Can you tell us about God Made Boys and Girls? This is a must read, especially for parents who are either sending their children or thinking about sending their children to a public school. Well, fellow pastor of mine said, Marty, you got to write a book on gender. And I thought, gender? And I just started to look into it. And I read the story of a California kindergarten classroom where a teacher basically led through a transition ceremony where a little boy left the classroom, put on a dress, came back and announced his new identity. And uh, she read a book to the class called I Am Jazz by Jazz Jennings, which tells the story of one person's transition from one sex to another. And children came home from that time confused. Mommy, I don't want to turn into a boy, a little girl said. And I just said, let me see what's out there for the Christian marketplace. And there was nothing. And so I wanted to write a book that would help parents equip their kids, something appropriate for the youngest children to teach them two things, that your gender is a gift from God, number one. Number two, it can never change. 
And so by adding some very simple biology to explain that if you are a girl, then you have XX chromosomes in your hair, your toes, your nose, your, your fingers, because the lie that's being promoted in the books for children from the other side in a pro-transgender format is that what you are on the outside isn't what you are on the inside. If you're a boy on the outside, you might have a girl brain, but the reality is, no, that's not true. If you're XY boy on the outside, every cell of your brain is XY boy on the inside. Just like if someone said to your child, hey, look at the sky. Isn't that a pretty green? They would say, no, they would object. They wouldn't be convinced. Why? Because they've been trained from a very young age that the sky is blue. I want children to be trained from a very young age that their gender is a gift from God and it can never change. Absolutely. You know, I love this book, God Made Boys and Girls. And even if you're not sending your child to public school, every child should read this. I think every parent should buy this book and read it to their children because they're going to come across maybe a friend who lives in the neighborhood who says, hey, you know, I'm, I might be a little boy, but I'm going to be a little girl. And you want your child to make sure that they have the words, the wisdom from this book in their mind already for them to recall. Amen. And I love your book, your devotional books, Brightest Day and Darkest Night for Easter Holiday, and your new Christmas devotional book. Could you tell us about those two books? Sure. I like to provide books for parents for the holidays that are ready-made. All they have to do is open them up and do what's there. In terms of my Easter devotional, Darkest Night, Brightest Day, I, I got the idea from the book of Acts. When Paul came into a new territory, it said, you know, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And so you set out to do the darkest night, which tells the story uh, leading up to the crucifixion of the darkest week of Jesus's life. And you have seven days of devotions for before Easter. Then you set the book out with the darkest night side out. When your kids go to bed, flip it around to the brightest day. And when they get up in the morning, you celebrate Easter. The book is transformed. It's turned upside down. What was dead is now alive. What was dark is now bright. The hope that seemed lost has been found. And you start seven days of the resurrection appearances of Jesus to do your family devotions. As for this year's Christmas devotional, The Light Before Christmas, I included what is basically a biblical theology of light. Light shines into the Christmas season. Of course, you've got the star. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the light that came into the world. Men love darkness instead of light. There's so many scriptures that talk about the, the light. And so I wrote a fictional story that goes along with the family devotions for uh, the Advent season. So kids would be excited to not only read the theology, but to, what's the next chapter say? Well, we can't do that till next week. Let's finish up the lessons. I wanted to provide something that gave a little excitement. Yes. Again, so unique. And the kids wake up and they see, oh, it's a brand new book. I didn't realize that. It's, it's really cool. And I'm looking forward to getting the light before Christmas also. On your website, you ask, is there a Trojan horse on your child's bookshelf? Can you tell our listeners what that means? Yeah. You know, the Trojan horse came as a gift. It seemed like a good thing on the outside, but of course it was filled with enemy soldiers that once inside the fortress, they were able to conquer. 
And that book that I mentioned, Am I, ja- uh, I Am Jazz, one of a pastor friends said, you know, my, my mom, the grandmother, took my daughter to the library and they came home with this book. And my daughter asked me, Dad, is this a boy or a girl on the cover? It looks absolutely like a girl, only to find out that it was a person who, as I said, transitioned. They had a boy body, but a girl brain. And so they became a girl to match their brain. And another example is uh, Charlotte Pence and her daughter, Karen Pence, the former vice president's uh, wife and daughter, wrote a book called A Day in the Nation's Capital, a story of Marlon Bundo, their bunny. Another individual wrote A Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo, all about being at the White House, except this book is about a bunny who begins a homosexual relationship with another boy bunny. Oh, my. It is copied verbatim from the president's wife's or the vice president's wife's book. And there's no indication. They claim it's a satire, but it's on the library shelves right alongside of the other books for kids written by Charlotte Pence. And there's no way to know until you get through it. There are reviews of people who said, I had no idea this book was promoting homosexuality to my children. And, you know, it's kind of like, what's going to happen? Is the vice president's wife going to sue? No, because it's only going to create more a splash and more sales for the book. But you need to make sure no longer can you just go to the library and assume that the books in your hand are teaching just basic traditional values. Forget Christian, traditional values. Traditional values have changed. Now you can pick your gender. You can pick who you want to marry. Uh, It doesn't matter. Things are different. And it is permeating through our literature. There's the Trojan horse. We just have to be aware of the enemy who comes in. He seems like he is a the sheep in wolf's clothing, right? So we've got to be so careful. Thank you, Marty, for being on the show. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And this is how we all work together to raise strong Christian kids. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.